Coming up, what is a haunted house and why should you visit one? Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the Haunted Attraction Network podcast, we bring Halloween to you every weekday. We have news, on-location coverage, and interviews from experiences around the world. Outside of this podcast, we have videos, education, and even events. Speaking of events, we're busy preparing for our annual Hauntathon. If you have a haunt that you want us to feature or even visit, contact me. We cover haunts large and small during our Hauntathon. You can contact me via email at philip at Network or via our contact page on our website at hauntedattractionnetwork.com. Today, we're airing an episode from one of our partner stations, The Scare Factor. TheScareFactor.com is a nationwide haunted house review website and directory, and this episode is from their companion podcast. This episode discusses the different types of haunted attractions and helps you determine which you should go to. I know many of you listening are in the industry and you're already familiar with all this, but by listening to the reviewer perspective, you might better understand how to describe your haunt to people who are unfamiliar with haunts. And that's kind of the direction this episode is taking, people that are unfamiliar with haunts. So it might be an interesting perspective for you to understand. Before we get into the episode, I do have a few notes, just things to clarify here. First, the hosts give their definition of a pro haunt in this episode, but we here at the network, we have a technical definition, which is different that I just want to lay out there. Our technical definition of a pro haunt is one which operates as a full legal business that's including paying staff, insurance, inspections, etc., 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 and one that operates in a commercial location with at least one person employed full-time year-round. There's also a Top Haunts program that we acknowledge, and that's run by the Haunted Attraction Association, and they certify haunts for operating their businesses safely. We consider semi-pro haunts those which operate as a business but without a year-round dedicated staff. And the second note on here, the hosts also mention Dr. Margie Kerr, and we have a few episodes with her explaining her science of fear and her book. Okay, (laughs) all that aside, here's the show. Enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, boils and ghouls, it's the Scare Factor Podcast Season 2. What's going on, everybody? Tyler here with the ScareFactor.com. And of course, we have Nora here with us. And we are also joined, as usual, by Brian, which is our central New York team. Hello, Brian. Hello. Hello. And we also have Tiffany from the rainy state of Washington. How's it going, Tiffany? It's going good. It's a good one. So we do have a... We do have a special announcement real quick before we kick off the show. We are super excited. Nora, why don't you break the news since you're the most excited about it? (laughs) (laughs) So as of today, we've had over a thousand downloads on the podcast. So we just wanted to thank everybody because you guys that are listening are awesome. And we couldn't do this without you because we'd be talking to the wall. (laughs) Yay! Yes, thank you very much, everybody. That is a huge milestone for us in our little baby podcast that we've just been doing here for a couple of years now. So thank you very much for listening. And today we are talking about what even is a haunted house and why should you go? Now, for most of us that are also or already avid haunt enthusiasts, we kind of already know this because we love going to them and all this kind of thing. But maybe you're on the fence about going. Maybe you went to one a long time ago and you're just not sure what the fuss is all about. That's what we're going to talk about today. Any thoughts, any opening thoughts, Brian or Tiffany? Yeah, I mean, I I like haunts. I I think that's kind of why we're all here, too, right? Like, even if you're a new listener and you're just finding us, like, you had to have found us by searching for haunted attractions or haunted houses in in some manner of speaking, right? So um, I I think we should all be on the same page. But just to be clear, according to Wikipedia, a haunted attraction simulated is a form of entertainment that stimulates the experience of a haunted location or horror fiction. And just to expand on that, we are talking about uh, haunted attractions that you find typically in in the month of October. And we're not talking about haunted houses in the conventional sense. Most people refer to them as haunted houses. But yeah, we're talking about the, like Brian said, the simulated ones where you go in, you buy a ticket usually, or I mean, sometimes they're free if it's like a home haunt or something to that effect. But most of them, you go in and buy a ticket. They have actors 
and you go through a defined path of some sort. They jump out, scare you, boo, ha-ha, everybody goes home laughing at the end of the day, and it's a really cool way to embrace the, the Halloween vibes of the fall season and have a good time getting scared, getting the adrenaline going, and just having fun with friends for a night. Right. And, and uh, you know, unless you're doing an extreme haunt, in which case you might go home crying. Uh, but that's another episode. <laughs> right. See our episode about extreme haunts back in season one. Season one, episode two. <laughs> yep. So expanding on haunted houses in general, like, uh, let's talk about, like, just the generic uh, vision or... Uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? The, the stereotypical the mental, haunted yeah, what's, house. What's yeah. the mental picture that you have? When you think, let's go to a haunt, what immediately pops into your head uh, as far as what you're thinking that you're walking into? Tiffany, why don't you start us out? Um, so there's that very typical like sound you normally hear in like the midway, and it's that organ pipe playing like from Dracula's castle and stuff, so... Almost every single haunt, I kind of expect to hear that somewhere, particularly uh, haunted attractions that have a midway, because um, a lot of like the music is like typical Halloween music or covers of Halloween music that you kind of hear all the time. But music is probably the first thing that I realized that I'm at a haunted house. Creepy music. Definitely got to have it. Uh, I assume by creepy organ music you mean toccata and fugue in d yeah right yeah so <laughs> yeah. that's um, yeah so that was that's a bach piece which i i just love that classical music is still permeating into modern society mm-hmm. um i i think for me when somebody says hey let's go to a haunt um you know it, it a lot of different things kind of run through my head uh but i think the stereotypical vision that i have is you know dark dark spaces and uh, somewhere between like Walmart masks and purely custom makeup, um, it's somewhere in there. Uh, and I'm thinking, there we're gonna have fun. But uh, I I'm also thinking that I am the worst person to take to a hunt because I don't get scared and I stop and I go, oh hey, that was cool. Can you do that again? And people hate that shit, <laughs> right. especially the actors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's always a Brian out there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> this goes back kind of a ways for me. Actually, it's probably better if Nora starts and then or Nora goes next and then I'll finish it. Nora, what do you think of when you think about going to a haunted house? So what I think in my head is usually different than what I see. <laughs> so in my head, I'm like thinking back to watching like Scooby-Doo and seeing these spooky mansions and there's always some sort of ghost inside and there's always someone underneath the mask. And so, like, I want to see that when I get there. I want to see this spooky mansion or a spooky place and know as soon as I get there that I'm getting ready to walk into something that is spooky or scary or there's something in there and I should be like Scooby-Doo and want to run the other way. So, but a lot of times in these days, you know, you've got your big crowds and everything like that. So it's not quite as spooky as that. But when once I find something like that, that's probably what I expect to see. Like, we've gone to some out in the middle of nowhere and that's where I'm like, yes, this is what I visioned in my head. This is awesome. So that's that's kind of what it is for me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, when Nora and I first started going out, I wanted absolutely nothing to do with haunted houses because I thought, why in the hell would you intentionally pay somebody to scare the living shit out of you? You know, like I said, I had never been to one before a day in my life. So I'm like, I really don't want to be traumatized for the rest of my life so no i just not gonna do it well she finally got me to go to one and i've realized yeah yeah (laughs) basically yeah that she gave me an ultimatum (laughs) (laughs) you're either going to haunted houses or we can't be a thing all right fine i'll freaking go and i'm glad i did uh they are a ton of fun um but yeah kind of similar to what brian was saying like spooky dark places going through creepy uh passageways suspenseful music, the tension is building, and you just never know when that next scare is going to pop out. Those are the kind of things that I really like to see. And, uh, of course, after going to as many of them as we have, we've kind of had to train ourselves away from kind of where Brian's at, where he doesn't get scared very easy, and we had to teach ourselves how to go in, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, just like a brand-new 
customer that has never seen anything like this before and really open yourself up to be susceptible to that stuff. And I find that whenever we're able to do that is when we're able to have the most fun and, and really keep getting those scares coming in. And I mean, yeah, there's very few times when I get like a trembling actual fear, you know, fear for my life type of situation, but even just the startle scares or getting affected by the, you know, those unknown pop scares and all that sort of thing is, is really what does it for me. So one of the things that we want to answer or that we want to talk about anyway in this episode is like, why is it that we go? And I think you've kind of touched on that a little bit, you know, and it's, it is just fun, right? It's like, you don't think that it would be right. Because you think about when you were a kid and, you know, if your friends were anything like my friends and they scare the shit out of you at every opportunity, um, you know, it's not a pleasant memory. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, when, like you said, when we're younger, we're not used to knowing how to deal with a, a scary situation as easily as we are now. And now that we know when we're going into a, a simulated experience, there's always an understanding that, okay, yeah, you know, they can't really hurt us in here because... There's thousands and thousands of people going through here. It's probably not good for business, you know. Generally <laughs> you, speaking. Unfortunately, yeah. Generally, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. you do still see some bad eggs out there every once in a while, but those are incredibly few and far between. And like, usually everybody hears about it very soon after because that's not a thing. These are always very, very safe haunts to go through. There's extensive fire marshal permits and regulations that everybody's got to meet. And yeah, it's it's very few and far between when something actually bad happens in a haunt. And they're trained like if you discover you're, you know, kind of in over your head and getting into panic attacks and that sort of thing, they're very very capable of taking care of those situations very quickly and and try to make it as good of an experience as possible, minimize the damage, I guess, so to speak. So yeah, I was actually going to comment about that of. Uh, staff being trained like one of kind of the cadences is if you can't be scary or if you are scary you still want to be very entertaining um you don't want to scare people from never coming back right like bad for business and so there's that really fine line of uh fear and scaring being like okay and it being fun. And then there's the other side of it of absolutely being terrified. And so again, to what you were saying, like cast is definitely trained to like identify panic attacks, uh, people like hyperventilating, um, people having seizures. And there's like all this like process of like where they actually get the medic on site and could get things done very quickly to kind of aid in that like safe space environment even though like anticipating or going into like a haunt can be like this anxiety inducing experience. So haunted houses, like in general, like I think that's again, um, part of it of like, you do expect to see like something, right. You do expect to see an actor or something following you or something popping out. Um, which kind of leads into like all of that like anticipation, right? Yeah, I think so. Well, yeah, Nora, Nora gets that a bunch. It's this very similar feeling to when you're riding a roller coaster up to the top of the the first drop. Yeah, and and really good haunts kind of keep that roller coaster throughout the whole show. But the, for the for the people that don't go, and all the things that you're hearing us say, like if you're listening to this podcast and you've never been to a haunted attraction. I think a lot of people have the pre- preconceived fear. Is that the right word? Preconceived? Yeah. That yeah. these places, okay, <laughs> these places are out to like hurt you or people really get hurt in there or something we've commonly heard is, well, how do you know everybody there is an actor at the haunt? How do you know it's not some stranger that walked in and put a mask on and he's actually in there trying to hurt people? Well, you don't. a lot of haunts have cameras. Yeah, you 100% don't, but a lot of haunts have cameras. A lot of haunts have different management inside the house. So like they have... You know, somebody that's watching everybody in this area, somebody's watching everybody in this area. They're safer than they sound or more safe than they sound. Um, we've been, I've been going to haunt since I was 12 and I've never witnessed anything that wasn't controlled. 
never heard of anything like in this local area of something that wasn't controlled and never heard of anybody getting into a haunt that wasn't supposed to be there locally. So that's probably in about a hundred haunts, but I'm not going to say that it doesn't happen because we all know that there have been some tragedies at haunted houses, but a lot of times those are also outside. So if you're, if you have the fear of going though, just because you're not really sure what's inside, you know, look up some information. We're getting ready to talk about the types of haunts. Maybe figure out what's right for you and what you think you can handle and give one a try because they are a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, you know, and on that point, too, I, I believe there was a news article from not that long ago about someone who did get into a Florida haunted house and did kill someone. Uh, they posed as an actor. And, and you know, it's like you were saying with there are people within that haunt that know who's supposed to be where at all times. And I don't know about every other haunt in the country, but I know when I worked in a haunt, I was a zone leader and I knew the, you know, four or five people that were supposed to be around me. I was located pretty centrally in that section. So, you know, I knew where Joseph was supposed to be and I knew where, you know, everyone else was supposed to be, and I was always checking on them too, you know, so I'd go through and like, hey, do you need water? How you doing? You know, so like if somebody new showed up, I'd be like, who the fuck are you? Where, you know, where's your zone? Why are you in this section? And generally zone leaders have like a walkie or something that they can get yep. a hold of everybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Yep. And yeah, so I had a radio on my belt. I always kept it off because like, oh my God, I just, I can't deal with that shit. But, um, you know, but it's like, we had a front of house manager and a back of house manager. So the the house attraction was split into two. So like if anything like that did come up, I could get onto the channel for the house and I could I could call for my manager and I could say, hey, MC, there's somebody back here that's not part of my zone. Can you come figure out what's going on? And he'll come back and he'll figure it out, you know, or if he's not available, hey, Ryan, there's somebody back here. Can you come give me a hand? And, you know, someone will be there very quickly. Um, And I'm sure like Tiffany, when you worked in a haunt, I'm sure it was very similar to that. There was you probably had a handful of, you know, managers for each attraction. And then you had supervisors in each little zone. So I was kind of higher up on that chain a little bit. Um. But I did have what are called roamers, which I think that's what you're calling like zone leaders. Um, and roamers had that like kind of permission and they were supposed to check on essentially their zone. So all of the stuff that was in that zone. Um, I had the radio, but like who I would radio was like directly security or directly like our medic on staff or something. So things got escalated to me <laughs> instead of like, Yeah. Yeah. And like I could have done that, too. You know, it's I knew what channel everybody was on. If I had to get a hold of, you know, the, you know, the outside staff for whatever reason, I could get a hold of a director. If I had to get a hold of security, I knew what channel security was on, you know, all of that stuff. So we didn't have cameras type of thing, but also like a part of mine is like we were small enough, like our leadership team kept coming through. So like. I would go ahead and keep coming through checking on cast, but then you would have the MUA and you would have like a uh, chief of staff. And so everyone was continuously doing cycles like every five minutes. Plus we had radios that all of the zone leaders could call us at any time, but most likely we would be in the haunt itself. Um, but I meant all of that is like a part of security because one of our biggest concerns, like that unknown factor, honestly, was like patrons. Yeah. Because you're never really sure how people are going to react like to fear or. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so that was really like kind of our biggest fear with everything. Um, because I mean, on both ways, like patrons don't necessarily always hurt actors or anything, but. Um, again, like patrons would start hyperventilating. My actors would start hyperventilating. Um, it's easier to take care of my actors as it is to actually take care of a patron. So, um, both of them would have like the medic, but like at least the actor I could pull aside to a room, uh, like a patron, I would pull them out of the exit, but the process was to get them either back to the green room area or get them back out in front, like kind of around their friends and where their family could find them um, while the medic checks up on them and basically get them out of that situation as fast as possible. Yeah. And so we, we did have a, um, 
we had a couple of instances. One, we had the first year I, I was there, we had an actor get punched right in the face. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, you know, and it's like, what kills me is, you know, where's the line that you draw as a director or as a security personnel when you see someone come up and they are very visibly drunk and you still let them go through? Like, how do you, like, what's the line, you know, for you? And and I'm sure it's different for everyone, right? Is you see this person come up and and they're they're really drunk. And so what do you do? You go up, hey, how you doing? You having fun? You having a good time? They, oh, yeah, sure. Great. Like, you know, they they always told us, like, we're not going to let someone who's that drunk come through. But, like, I've seen it a couple of times. So, you know, test results are in. Maury says, you're the father. That was a lie. <laughs> right. So that was the thing that I think why we had, like, host. So host is specifically, like, a actor that's kind of staged in front of the haunted house to either give you rules or to like talk to you while you wait in line for the door. Um, they're not quite line actors cause they're literally up at the door. Sometimes they're ticket takers. Um, there's a lot of things and duties that they're assigned, but they would essentially be having the most like face to face contact after like, the ticket booth or say like the midway in the front of the house. And they would kind of like gauge things of like, no, this person will not leave anything alone. Uh, Keeps diving into the corn. And so like they would be the ones mostly calling security. But then again, the same thing is that it doesn't, you can't get everyone that way. Right. Um, Sometimes even once like, someone that's intoxicated starts getting scared or things starts popping out, they act totally different than what they did just conversing in a line. So there's some of it that you just can't get, but yeah, definitely like punching, um, pushing, uh, yeah. Uh, pinning like actors up to something like that happens more than you actually think it does. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, like I said, I've only seen it, you know, once or twice, you know, anything escalating to that point. But I, I've seen a handful of times with somebody coming through that really should not have been allowed to just based on how obliterated they they were, mm-hmm. you know, alcohol-wise. I saw somebody come through holding a can of beer, and I'm like, when did we start selling alcohol? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like – they just yeah, all right, fine. I guess we're just letting this shit happen now. Well, moral of the story, yeah, we were talking about a lot of horror stories here. Yeah. But <laughs> if you're on the fence about going to a haunt, rest is you know you can help make your experience better by a not showing up blasted drunk, <laughs> because obviously, as you can tell, that's not a good experience for either you or the actors or the haunt in general, or. Uh, just rest assured that, you know, a lot of these are edge cases and such a small minority of the people that go through haunts that, I mean, we go to dozens and dozens of haunts every year. Each of us all do. And I mean, obviously the the chances of these kind of things happening, we're always very well aware that they could, but they never outweigh the benefits and the good time that we always have going to haunts. We always... Yeah, we never let that keep us from going. Well, yeah. and things could happen anywhere. That's kind of my mentality of it, you know? Like, if people are going to be crazy, they can be crazy anywhere, so. That's you also true. get very <laughs> jaded working in a haunted house, I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, that's that's also the truth. But I really, I do like the uh, comparison to, like, a roller coaster where it is so much safer than the appearance, right? And it's, and it, and it, the experience really is, you know, simulated danger there. Um, as somebody who is more obsessed with roller coasters than uh, uh, the average person really should be, I can tell you I could go on for hours about the redundant safety features on any roller coaster in the United States. And uh, and it might be a little too soon, but you know there was the tragedy at Fun Spot in Orlando with the drop tower that happened where the kid fell out. Anytime something like that goes wrong, there is human error being introduced um in that particular instance the restraint had been manually overridden it's you know in in the case of the attraction running as the manufacturer intended it is like it's way more safe than doing anything else like you're you are you are more at risk standing underneath the roller coaster 
and somebody's phone come flying out, then you are riding that roller coaster. Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And speaking of going through, and you know, even uh, in the face of this simulated danger, that's one of the you know talking about why we like going to haunted houses and why you should go is the benefits that you get from facing your fears, pushing yourself, and you know, going through the fight or flight thing. Or we. we <laughs> Not many people actually go into fight or flight, or if they do, I would say most most people don't go into full fight or flight mode. Most people go into uh, the flight, uh, the the runaway, and buzz through the haunt and try to get away from the the actors, and you know that's part of the runaway and escape type of uh, satisfaction. Um, and I was going to mention that earlier. Don't go through drunk, and don't go through if you are a swing a fist and fight kind oh, of yeah. no, fight or flight response type of person. There's a whole rabbit hole about that, I'm sure. But yeah, facing your fears and experiencing the, the rush of endorphins that you get when you get out of there, that's, uh, that's a very, very big reward of going through haunted houses. Yeah, absolutely. So we've, so we've touched on why we like to go and, you know, why people in general like to go. But, you know, now this kind of opens the door to, so now you want to go to a haunted house where are you going to go? And I think what we should do here is we should talk about like, what are the different types of haunts, right? So you have your standard indoor or outdoor type, you know, walk through. And that's kind of what everybody thinks of when they think of a haunted attraction. But there's a few more variations on that. You have hay rides, which can be really terrifying, or in most cases, mildly scary. Um, I, I've been on one in my life that had me fearing for my life and that was got 20 years ago and i don't think they're in business <laughs> anymore probably for good reason right there's one not far from us you get on a bus with the chop or the top chopped off of it and they literally go racing semis out down the middle of this field and they're like playing bumper cars in this field it's <laughs> <laughs> awesome that's cool like yeah uh, but you also have like mazes and interactive, uh, you know, where you have to actually do something, you know, so like an escape room almost mixed with a haunt. Um, you have extreme haunts, which again, go back, listen to season one, episode two. You have, um, you know, amusement type rides, which I think in that sense, what we're more getting at are the little dark rides. You might see it at a county fair or uh, like a carnival, that sort of thing, where you sit in the little cart and it really isn't big enough to fit more than two small humans. And it goes around the little track at maybe two or three miles an hour. And, you know, there are some animatronics inside. Uh, but we're also counting VR experiences in there, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My, my favorite out of all of these is uh, it's hard to say. I like them all. Um, I, <laughs> I, I'm in love with the idea of an extreme haunt because it really amplifies on what makes you afraid. Um. However, I don't enjoy that experience. Um, I don't like to yeah, be touched. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't start off with an extreme. No, uh, no, 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 absolutely not. If you know what you're getting into, by all means, go do it. Blackout, I've heard, is incredible. Um, just we don't talk about the uh, the M word around here, though. No. Um, Pass. Yeah, I, I think my favorite probably out of all these are interactive, you know, really scary escape yes. rooms, things, places where you have to actually do something to progress through the attraction. Mm-hmm. Where you become part of the show. Yes, I love that. I love the theatrics of it. I love the concept. I love everything about it. It's so much fun. So I think like my favorite type of haunt is more the maze type, um, particularly if it's mazes that could shift. So say like an actor like blocks a pathway and like, you know, pushes patrons or customers in like one direction and then they let uh, customers go through, like they switch over the block and they let patrons go in a different direction. And particularly when you have like a lot of actors and a lot of pathways doing that, it's it's really fun. Um Mostly because, like, one, it kind of feels like they're just messing with you because they kind of are. Because um, they keep you trapped in a section if they wanted to, right? They just keep, keep having you go around in circles. And it doesn't matter, Ooh, yeah, like... we get that a lot in, like, the Picador areas right? and stuff like that. Yeah, and you don't see them very often, really. Right. But I think those are my favorite type. Um, kind of the same way is, like, 
I like both the actors interacting and I like how I mean, you're trying to get out of said maze. And so it's that, what direction should I go? And they point you in the wrong direction, or they just totally closed a door in the path that you're supposed to go and had you like loop back. So yeah, I think those are like probably the most fun for me. Yeah, I, I like the concept of that too. Tyler and Nora, what's your favorite type of haunt? I really like the indoor ones uh, crossed with interactive Um I think if someone's very first starting off trying to look to to get started into a haunt, they may try a hayride and then graduate up to like a trail and then an indoor. But once you get into indoor, things are a lot closer to you. Uh, You got a lot more corners and different things where folks can hide. So I really like having all of those opportunities for scare attempts readily available, uh, which is a lot harder to find in an outdoor or in a hayride because you can kind of see what's coming with a lot more notice. Uh, But I do like the interactive element. There was one that I'll never forget. And it was actually, eh, it was a mix of indoor and outdoor down here in Louisville that was interactive. They called it Zombie City. It was at Asylum Haunted Screen Park and they're not open anymore. But they did really, really good at trying to bring a horror movie to life. Um, it wasn't just scare, 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 scare. It was go through, you meet the actors. This is their name. They're going to help you get through this uh, facility. And then, oh my God, the zombies are outbreaking. Now we have to wander through the wilderness and try to make friends with people that we don't know that we can trust. And we have to go through the swamp and get past the cult people that are doing sacrifices and find the key to the water plant to get the pumps running to get the thing to get out of the final gate and yeah it was mm-hmm. a whole All lot while of fun zombies are chasing you like full on running chasing you yeah you gotta like slam the door behind you so they can't get to you and then they might come out of a secret hiding spot and take your guide so now you have nobody to help you get through the place anymore and yeah it was very very well thought out and a super cool experience I'll I really look forward to one day Finding another place that does something similar mm-hmm. to that. But. Yeah. Very story driven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And every year it would build on and that would that was how they would justify their, you know, their scene changes and all that. Because it started off, it was more so just like a town. And then like you ended up in the the facility and then like the bomb that got dropped on the town was what was causing all the zombies. And yeah, year after year after year. They were always able to build on that, and the town was always in a worse and worse state of disarray, and more characters were popping up. It was very, very, very good and very long-term, for Mm -hmm. sure. That's cool. I'd say my favorite type would be the actor-driven, physically demanding haunts. And what I mean by that is a haunt where it's interactive like what Tyler's talking about, but at the same time, it's very physically demanding as in it's hard for you to see at times. It's hard for you to hear at times. So it's making you like really try to use your vision to like see through really thick fog or dark rooms where you're, you're hearing so much sound that you can't hear yourself think. So then your mind starts messing with you when there's, there may not even be any actors in that particular area, but you're like, Oh shit, did I just see somebody around that corner? Oh, they're going to get me in it it distracts you for what's actually going to scare you. So I think that's my favorite type. Um, We see a lot of haunts that incorporate some of that into their haunts and the whole haunt isn't that way, but they're, they're starting to come out of the woodwork a little bit more than what we've seen in the past. So I'm excited to see a lot more of that stuff. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Um, So, and then also like, so we have those different types of haunts, but um, getting a little more, uh, broad on that is these could all be professional haunts which we'll refer to from here on out as pro haunts or they could be home haunts they could be uh like a yard display sort of thing they could be a charity event um and we have all of these listed on the website and everything but really like when we talk about pro haunts versus home haunts like what's the difference there right in my mind a pro haunt is a higher production quality Maybe um, some better, bigger, or more expensive props. Probably a permanent sort of, uh, you know, location. It's not taken down every year, that sort of thing. But it could be. Uh, I've been to a couple of pro haunts that have to set up and take down every single year. Um, like, what are your thoughts on? What are your thoughts on the differences there? Like, what what sets a pro haunt aside from, let's say, a charity event? So I have a different 
definition, not really like largely, but like pro haunts is more of like your for-profit haunts. Um, They tend to be like, they might have something running all year round or have some type of like income um, continuing throughout the year, but they're just a haunt. Um, That's the only thing of like that space being used. Like it's just a haunt. Um, Whereas like home haunts or um, yeah, home haunts are more like, it's a family. Um, it's a couple of families. It's in like a cul-de-sac. Uh, they have stuff that is a lot of like old school or like self-made. Um, they can have like professional props that you would see at professional or pro haunts. Um, but at the same time, like that's not necessarily a qualifier of you're going to see this at a home haunt. Like, that would be the exception to the role of them actually getting, um, you know, like having the resources just like pro haunts. Um, charity haunts, like my definition is like really, really low for this. So charity haunts is literally any event that goes ahead and donates back to an organization, a community, several communities. Um, that's honestly a charity haunt, like literally for charity yeah that that's the definition um and my my experience has been that a charity haunt is usually not always but usually going to be pretty low quality in most aspects because they're not really doing it for an absolute love of the industry or all things spooky like pro haunts might be but they're doing it because like hey it's october this is a fun thing we're trying to raise money for kids with cancer yeah home haunt can be a charity haunt a pro haunt can be a charity haunt Mm -hmm. all that sort of and i think there's like this other category of pro charity where you've got like 100 acres manor and more of your niles haunted screen park where you do still get very good quality but they do still donate the majority of their proceeds to different charities and there's just a few of them out there that you know you can't expect to still see like some of your eye candy aspects at these places so um, there's a haunt that's more local to us that we had him, um, well, their attraction, we had it marked on our website as a charity event. And he, and, and although they are, he actually wanted us to remove that from his listing because it's, he said it does give everybody the preconceived conception that it is a lower quality event. And that is actually not the case for this show. So, um, while we did remove it for him, I could see where like back probably 15 or so years ago, most of the charity events around here anyway were pretty low quality. But over the years, they're getting some really good ideas. And this is kind of when we review, we say money isn't always like the high score because a lot of haunts think they need millions of dollars to put into their show to get like a nine. And that's not always true. We always look at the effectiveness too. So if you're trying to determine of the the three types here, if you're going to look at a pro haunt, a home haunt, or a charity event and try to figure out which one you want to go to, Um, I would read their website and check out their FAQ page. And if you want to be touched, like look for something that says you will. If you don't, you know, look for something that says you specifically won't be touched. Um, If there's certain things that you want in a house, look at their pictures on Facebook. They show some of their characters and things like that. Um, You know, charity events are really good places to spend money because obviously they're giving back to their community. But there are some other big haunts where like their parking goes back to charity. And although us reviewers generally despise parking, having to pay for parking. Um, sometimes they do give back that money or it goes to somebody totally different. So that's also something to consider when you're choosing uh, where you want to go. But um, there's also this really cool website <laughs> called thescarefactor.com where we do have reviews that will tell you all of this information. So if there's any in your area, you should check those out because we will tell you a lot of things that might help you choose. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so... Like, how do you choose? Let's say you're a brand new, you're brand new to going to haunts. Like, how do you choose what's right for you? And I don't mean, you know, between pro haunt or home haunt or whatever. Like, how do you choose the type of attraction you're going to go to? And my thought on this is because I love taking people who have never really been to a haunt before and just throwing them into the void um, (laughs) way over their head. It is my favorite thing to do. So uh, please, if you're listening, don't do that to your friends. You won't have friends mm-hmm. after that night. I'm shaking my um. head over here. Like, just no. 
please no. <laughs> I love doing right? that to people. I'll take someone to like a high energy, like we're going to touch you. We're going to rough you up a little bit and just throw them in there. Oh, it's great. And then they hate you afterwards. And then the next year they're like, can we go back to that place? <laughs> and they're always mm-hmm. smiling and laughing. And whenever they get out. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but like, how do you choose yeah. what's right for you? You know, I think my first haunted house was like, I just kind of picked one and went and like, I don't think that's a very good method. That's also what I did. But yeah, not not as much of a good method. It does require a little bit of kind of looking toward the inside of yourself and figuring out what you think you would be comfortable with. Like, uh, like if you're a really big horror movie fan, but you've never been to a haunted house and like you like all the blood slashing guts and gore and the really intense, you know, I don't know, some of the more demonic stuff that you see that really gets a lot of jump scares on TV and that sort of thing. You might start off with, uh, you know, I would say you'd probably be fine to do a mid-grade or a, a lower-end indoor haunt. Uh, to go ahead and jump into some of those up-close-and-personal scares. Um, if you if you consider yourself a little more of a weenie than that, then you might try a haunted trail or a hayride or something, something like that, that. kind of advertises itself as child friendly. Yeah, friendly. A, mm-hmm. a lot of haunts will advertise being family friendly. That's a big phrase um, or fun for all ages, that sort of thing. Um, we do try to put as much of that info as we can on our directory listings. Uh, we'll try to put down if they have an age recommendation or that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, another place you can go to look um, to try to get a, a number put on that sort of thing is our reviews. Um, we do have a scare factor score, and that's heavily weighted on how actually scary it was. So um, I think a lot of folks come to the site to look and see you know, which one has the highest number there, but that's not always uh, the best place to start. So I would definitely look at some, um, if you're brand new, start off in the, the 7 range probably, and see how that feels. And Or also look at just the scare factor score because that's where our team, you know, all of us are looking at how scary that haunt is. Yeah, that's what I mean for yeah, the scare factor so category. If you, yeah, seven for scare factor would probably be a really good beginner traction, but it also may still be too scary for you. So you might look for something a little bit lower than that. But if we don't have any reviews, that's where it becomes a bit more difficult. Right. Because it's hard for us to tell you like what attraction would be good for you. Of course, you can always reach out to us because we can probably figure out some information for you. But I would say a good starting point would probably be on your price. You know, what are you willing to pay? Um, if your local haunted house is charging $40 a person for some crazy reason, because they are like that a lot over in Washington, <laughs> um, you might look around and say, okay, well, maybe if this is my first one. Maybe I should try to see if I can find maybe a closer home haunt that's doing $5 donations and just go and see if you like it. You know, don't go to that extreme haunt that everybody's talking about if you've never been and then get traumatized and not want to go to any anymore because a lot of people that we talk to that don't go, that's why they don't go. They went somewhere and they got touched and they just didn't like it. And it's always that they touched me and I didn't like it. I won't go to another one. Well, there's probably, we've got over 2,400 haunts listed in the directory. And I would say about 2,000 of them probably don't touch people. Yeah, so the vast majority do not. Yeah. That's not a common and kind thing. of like one point that you guys been like dancing around. So it's both on the scarefactor.com and also you can find it on the haunts website is looking at the actual story behind it. Um, knowing like if you're scared of a certain thing. So uh, if dolls terrify you, if clowns terrify you, like read that story. Um, if it isn't on, you know, our directory, you could definitely like try to pick apart that story from the haunts website. Um, again, that should be pretty readily available that you could kind of gauge it. Um, but there's definitely people that have like those limits of like, yeah, I can't do chainsaws and read that story. Right. If it seems like chainsaws are going to be involved, if there's going to be clowns, they're more likely it's going to be chainsaws. Um, <laughs> but like, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And you can see pictures on their website. Yeah. You can see pictures on their social media, what kind of characters they have, that sort of thing too. So. And and one more thing too is I don't know how many other haunts in the country are doing this, but it, it, 
so I can only speak to the one that I know of. Uh, Frightmare Farms in Palermo, New York, uh, partnered a couple of years ago with Culture City. And Culture City is the nation's leading nonprofit on sensory accessibility for people with disabilities. So if that's something that you're feeling like, I could never go to a haunt because I'm you know, loud noises or bright flashing lights, that sort of thing is it's going to do something very not pleasant for me, you know, maybe look to see if any haunts are partnering with an organization like that. Um, so I know, I know, for example, uh, Frightmare Farms does it. And the last couple of years that I've gone, I've seen some people who are walking around, they have the little cultural culture city bag. And inside of that are like, um, they're, they're the, over ear, um, you know, noise reduction, like earmuffs, uh, like you might see people wearing it like an auto race, that sort of thing. Um, or I, I forget what else is in the bag, but like, that's really huge. Right. And that's, that's the sort of thing where you could take your kids who may not be, you know, cause I, I'm noticing that a lot of younger kids now are starting to have, you know, sensory issues when it comes to loud noises, for example. And if your kid loves horror movies but can't do loud noises, that's a definitely a possibility right there. Um, and Frightmare also does a thing where you can have a low scare, no scare experience where I think it's an upcharge of like five bucks or something. They give you this little LED dollar store candle and you carry that around, you hold it out in front of you. And actors who normally would pop out just don't, or actors that are in a more, you know, in a speaking role where you just, you really can't avoid them. They're not doing their big, huge scare that they normally would. Um, so that's also a possibility, you know, so keep your eyes open for that sort of thing locally because they are out there. Yes. And looking on their websites, like we're all kind of saying can help a lot. So I pulled up the Haunted Hoochie real quick because it's one of the most extreme haunts that everybody knows about. Um, their website's deadacres.com. And if you scroll down, like not even halfway down their homepage, it says, The world's most extreme haunted house, warning, may not be suitable for immature audiences or for mature audiences. The haunted house <laughs> contains graphic and violent horror. These images may be offensive and disturbing to some, so don't try this at home. So if you jump on a website and you're looking at this and you're wondering if you should go to this haunt as your first, it's probably not a good idea. Probably, probably not a good <laughs> idea. I, I wouldn't. I mean, I disagree with the fact that they're the world's most extreme. I personally have seen more extreme right. than that but i get their well, i marketing. get their saying yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. but they are offensive in that oh, right like they're yes. gory but they are definitely offensive i mean they've played 911 contrabanda in their queue line as you wait to go in so i mean they are trying to push your buttons oh yeah so i wouldn't recommend going to something like that for your first time but no. i mean some people <laughs> might be okay with that yeah yeah so why should you go? Like, we, it's not like we've, you know, made this out to be, you know, rainbows and unicorn farts. Like, why? Right. So why should you go? Because it's fun, Brian. You it is. I know. It. I know. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So the biggest thing there is the endorphin rush you're getting, right? You know, the dopamine that comes rushing through when you walk out and you're laughing and smiling and you had a good time. And, you know, it's just that's the big thing for me. Um is you know that that overjoyed feeling of like how much fun I had, but also like there's fun things to do there. Uh, one of my other favorite things to do is watch my friends get scared. Um, mm -hmm. Our uh, our teammate Rick, may he rest in peace. Uh, he he was so much fun to put in the front because he'd jump out of his fucking skin. It was, That's me. Oh my, oh my god, it was the greatest thing because because we knew that he was a little jumpy. We always put them at the front because it's like, if I know there's going to be some big scares, I'm going to put them up there. Like, yeah, I want them for myself, but like, I also want to watch him jump out of his goddamn skin, and it's going to be so good. <laughs> so, <Yep. yeah. laughs> there's kind of like a nerdy perspective that you could kind of take with that whole like watching your friends get scared or experiencing scary things. It's um, the whole concept of like social bonding, right? You are put into a situation that's challenging. And you kind of see how, like, your friends react, how you react, and you eventually escape that and be like, hey, do you remember that one actor that ended up coming up to us and just started vomiting, right? Like, it's something <laughs> oh that God. you both experienced, like, all of your team or your friends, like, experienced at the same time. And it actually, like, 
kind of like melds your group together, right? Because you have that shared experience. Well, sure. uh, you kind of would make fun of them, right? Um, so. Oh, yeah. That build, building memory. Right. And, yeah. Being well, able to yeah. talk and, and this poke is fun also afterwards. Why, yeah. This is why you see so many. I've survived the haunted blah, 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 blah shirts because they're like, oh, my God, that was awesome. They almost killed us. We're buying a T-shirt. <laughs> uh-huh. you wanna rem- people want to remember that afterwards. Yeah. I never understood that. Like, you felt like your life was truly in danger, so you want to throw more money at these people. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. Yeah. We kind of talked about that, too. Um, Again, like, there's so much, like, anticipation and anxiety and stress that's, like, kind of building up. Again, I talked about music, and so I could get myself kind of freaked out just being at the facade in front of a haunted house. Um, If you can't figure out, I'm one of the jumpy ones. So um, (laughs) there's like a lot of going into and I mean, there's a lot of kind of other experiences. We talked about it being like a roller coaster. There's like uh, thrill seekers. So like skydiving, it's that like anticipation that you're pushing yourself and you're kind of uh, hyping yourself up in order to go into something and once you actually go into and through it, like there's this like kind of rush of adrenaline, like while you're going through it and like things are popping out at you. That's also one of my fears. Um, things are popping out at you. Uh, you're trying to get through. Um, you're just waiting for like that next thing around the corner. And that whole like anticipation kind of carries through. And then once you actually get out of the haunted house even if there wasn't any real danger, like we talked about, like haunted houses are a relatively safe place. Um, a lot of like measures are there to keep you safe. You still have this feeling exactly what Brian was saying. Like, I don't understand why people do this. Like you survive something. Um, and for that second, like while you're going through the haunted house and like all the adrenaline is rushing, like you're not actually really thinking you're just kind of going off of the thing of like oh my goodness I hope this thing doesn't happen and I'm just going to go ahead and run through like um you are like not in your head anymore so you keep thinking and continuing on and again like once you get out there's this whole kind of concept of like having a runner's high um for a lot of people not all people but just getting really excited of like yes I survived this um, this was really challenging and I got out of it. Or again, going back to the thing that I was talking about with like social bonding, it's kind of the same thing of like, yeah, we survived, we got out. <laughs> um, but social bonding is more of you getting really excited about your friends freaking out and <laughs> less about yourself surviving. <laughs> right. I do want to make a note about like the runner's high that Traditionally speaking, that doesn't really happen at the end of a run. That happens kind of in the middle of a run when you're hitting your stride. Yeah, and that's kind of the same thing. Like, if you think about it, it's pretty true with, like, haunted houses. Um, When you kind of, like, realize, um, you can kind of see it, like, I'm particularly one, like, when you're going through a haunted house, I'm screaming, like, crazy at every single pop scare. Like, I'll admit it full on. Um, I get scared at the most common scare that you will ever see in a haunted house. So that's cool. Um, But like a lot of uh, people who go ahead and go through haunted houses, a lot of screams up front. And then eventually that starts turning into laughter. Not because everything is just not scary anymore. It's just there's that other side of things of like, oh, I feel like I'm getting through this. Good job. And (laughs) instead of that, like hyping yourself up with like anxiety and stuff, it all of a sudden turns into of like, well, that was the scariest thing back there. (laughs) Like, that's not going to happen again. Right. Is it? (laughs) You know, like you're really, really happy to get through. (laughs) Yeah, I think that runner's high was the point in my first haunted house where I actually realized, oh, I'm actually not going to be traumatized for the rest of my (laughs) life. This is a really cool thing. I would Mm -hmm. say that that was the point when I realized, okay, yeah, haunted houses are pretty freaking cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, not only that, but a lot of haunts are anywhere from 10 to about 60 minutes long. So we've, we've not seen many that are over an hour. But for the amount of time that you're in them, um, if you really compare the other entertainment provide like that you can get somewhere else, I don't know of that many places personally where 
I have had such a smile or laughing for this, that small amount of time as I get in, in a haunted house. Like, you think, like, going to the movies and watching a two-hour movie, you're going to laugh, but there's only going to be so many times when you laugh. Like, in the haunted house, you're laughing. It's not funny, but it's funny to see your your members or your friends getting scared, and you think you're going to go in there and be absolutely traumatized by people in costumes, but when you get in there and you realize, oh, shit, that scared me, but, oh, shit, that got my friend in front of me, too, that's where it's like really you can't explain that you just kind of have to experience it but it is so much fun and i just can't think of anything else that really provides the exact same thing like even a comedy show yeah everybody's gonna laugh but it's different you're laughing at entertainers that are performing for you not like to your own reactions and like you're all just sitting and laughing at one person or being Mm -hmm. entertained by one person and like it's something that you're witnessing not that you're experiencing as much, you know, there's, there's other types of live shows too, like a, like a, well, probably like a murder mystery or something where they kind of get a little bit of the crowd involved, that sort of thing. But when something's, when you're going through a haunted house, everything is designed to be, uh, happening to as many people in the group as possible at once. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there's a whole nother rabbit hole about whether they're front heavy or back heavy, that sort of thing. Yeah. But, and ideally everybody gets scared by everything in there's not many other types of experiences that focus the entire show on everybody in your little small group this way. Yeah, I think the closest thing you're going to get are amusement rides. You know, it's it's going to be like a roller coaster, a drop tower, that sort of thing. Something that's very high thrill where everybody's experiencing it all at the same time. But also like a, a amusement rides, like my brain is like stopping right now. But um with amusement rides, like, or roller coasters or something like that, like, exactly to Nora's point, like, they just last for, what, a minute, two, something like that? A couple of minutes. And so yeah. then it's all gone. And so, yeah, I mean, you could still definitely get that and get that, like, feeling and cessation because, like, the whole entire time that you're in line, you're hyping yourself up. But I think that's where you get um, that whole, like, bane for your buck philosophy of it, right? Like... A haunted attraction is normally going to last longer. Um, And then you could still get that in anticipation because a lot of like uh, haunted attractions have like line actors. And so you get that like immersion feeling or that hype, like even before you kind of enter into a haunted attraction. So, yeah. Right. And I I think the time difference there, too, is why you're going to find the the bigger – you know, roller coasters, for example, are just, they're going to be so much more high thrill, right? It's going to be a much more heart pounding sort of experience while you're on it for those two minutes, let's say, you know, it's that you're not getting that amount of energy out of a haunt in two minutes, right? Because a haunt is going to last, let's say 20 minutes on average, you know, that's, they're spreading that out more. So it's, you know, overall, any one part is fairly low energy, but overall it's, you know, it's it's a good fun experience where you get that you get that adrenaline rush. You know, whereas on a roller coaster, it's all kind of has to happen in two minutes. Exactly. I could not imagine a haunted house in two minutes doing the same thing that it does in twenty. But that would be interesting <laughs> if that could happen. I, I would love to see. <laughs> Can you see all the like pop uh, yeah. out scares? <laughs> like I would just be oh in a ball <laughs> just... in the middle of the room. They would just like catapult us through the ceiling and out to the parking lot and be like, right? there you go. You just went through the ceiling. <laughs> I mean, I'm all for it. I'll pay money for that. <laughs> I'm, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but above all, it feeds the spooky need. Like, that's that's it right there. Like, you go to a haunted house because you want something spooky. End of story. Like, it's October. You want something spooky. Um, so, like, one of the other things, too, is I know Tiffany's really excited about this. Tiffany has found some things talking about, you know, why do we go to haunts? Uh, So I'm going to turn it over to Tiffany and let her have the rest of the time. So um, there's this sociologist that her name is Margie Kerr, and she actually um, studied customers that went through this haunted house called Scare House. And she wrote a book about her findings and also has been interviewed a lot of like why people go and put them into these situations where they have to face their fear or they know it's going to be scary or essentially like what is that kind of like driving factor that pulls everyone into. Um, 
And it's great. It's kind of like, again, what we were just talking about before of facing your fears. And then it creates like this adrenaline rush where you have to go ahead and actually complete this challenge. And then once you're starting to complete these challenges, like then your uh, brain chemicals kind of switch over to the uh, dopamine and oxytocin to like actually give you like excitement. Like, yes, I accomplished this. I survived this challenge. Like before I didn't even know that this was something that I was going to face, but now I survived it and continuously getting those kind of like, okay, again, going back to me, there's a pop scare. Cool. There's not going to be any more pop scares. And then there's another pop scare and another one and another one and another one. And each time you get that kind of like sense of accomplishment of like, okay, I think I could survive this because that one was a really bad one. Um, and then once you actually get out, there's that, again, you're still really excited and amped up. And if you're someone that's like in your head all the time or, um, really like trying to overthink everything, um, your experience, like, I'm not saying like everyone, but that's where you get kind of like people that are like, okay, haunted houses are interesting or they're cool. But like, you have the same, uh, mindset from when you started, to like when you exit. So you don't actually get that whole excitement and rush that some people get. Um, but it doesn't necessarily get any worse. And then we kind of talked about it earlier where um, the other side of that is having like actors that do push people too far. Like they're no longer having scary fun. It's like traumatizing. <laughs> you are scarring that person. Um, so some people do come out feeling worse, which is why you shouldn't do exactly what Brian said and put your friends in the most horrible situation. <laughs> Even though you would find it funny, it is, it's just rude. <laughs> it's just so rude. <laughs> I don't care. It's fun. I, I would have no friends. Like <laughs> none of them would trust me. Uh, <laughs> I do not have friends. <laughs> this is established, Brian. Do not have friends. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! This is why. If anybody listening wants to be my friend, look, look. If anyone listening wants to be my friend, you can find me on the socials at Team Skelligor. Mm-hmm. You, you would instantly. Please go give Brian a friend. He will take you to haunted houses, and you will love them. <laughs> You'll instantly add them, yeah. friend them once they find you. I. I will, yes. All they have to do is reach out and be like, hey, I want to be your friend. I listened to that episode. I want to be your friend. And, like, there will be an extensive interview about, like, whether you want to fight a horse-sized duck or duck-sized horses. But, like, just go with it, okay? <laughs> like, shit's going to get weird. He'll get this evil grin on his face as he's typing back, and we'll all hear him going, <laughs> And not tell you when an actor says, put your ear up against this wall, and he knows exactly what's going on, but the person with him does not. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that was my mind, great. My mind went to scary <laughs> yeah. movie. No. Oh, yeah, no, that happened. Um, <laughs> that happened at KO's escape room, and I took a friend of mine who's never really been to an escape room or a haunt, and so we get to this part, and I see the drop panel from, like, a mile away because it's recessed in the wall I'm like i know what's coming here and the uh the owner who's in character and he's guiding us through and he goes put your ear to the wall can you hear it there's voices and i'm like oh yeah yeah totally i hear it man and i look to my friend i'm like put your ear against the wall and she's like no and i'm like do it and so she does it and the thing comes down and the animatronic jumps out and the lights and like, oh my god it was fucking hilarious <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I'm guilty of things like that, too. Like, when I see the little zombie CGI things where the hunter, like, is going around and he shoots the zombie and then it splashes the water on you, I always jump out of the way. <laughs> the person behind me always gets soaked. Every time. <laughs> that is so horrible. Oh, yeah, look at this. Look at this. Watch this guy. It's cool. Yeah. Sometimes I'm nice and I also tell them, scoot over. <laughs> sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> but not always. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. Well, folks, we hope this has been a, an informative episode for you. And if you're on the fence about uh, going to haunted houses, maybe this will uh, persuade you to go to some. We absolutely love them and highly recommend them to anybody that is remotely uh, a fan of Halloween or haunted houses in general. So if you don't mind, uh, 
Be sure, if you haven't already, to go ahead and give this show a subscribe or a like or a comment or a review, whichever platform you're on. We really appreciate your feedback. Uh, all that stuff comes straight to Nora and I. We love reading and hearing from you guys. That is wonderful. Um, thank you once again for getting us up to a thousand downloads. That is also wonderful. Yay! Hooray! Uh, we are on. Yeah, Hooray! we're on all of the socials at the Scare Factor. Uh, we're growing our TikTok presence and our YouTube presence. Uh, thank you all for checking out those things as well. We're very excited to to be a part of you guys and and. I'm starting to ramble, but yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, that'll wrap it up for this season. Or not for this season, for this episode. I'm getting scatterbrained now. <laughs> well, we got uh, a few more episodes before yeah, the end. Yeah, we got a few more. Yes, yeah, stick with us. So, Thank you for watching all the way to the end, watching the podcast, yeah, as one does. <laughs> yes. Yes, I listen with yes. my eyes. <laughs> all right. I'm pulling the plug. That's it. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode. Until then, stay scary. Calm. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Luis Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, Haunters, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network.